Hi, I'm Paul Ford, and this is Track Changes from Postlight, the little web and app agency that could, located in New York City. We build your websites and your apps and all the big platforms and crazy stuff that, uh, that, that it takes to get things happening on your little phone or your browser. I'm sort of going down a hole here. I'm here in the studio with Richard Ziade. Yo, Paul Ford. He's my co-founder, and we're joined again, this is really cool, by Dean Hakamovich. Yes. Dean, hi. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. That was almost a Steve Ballmer impersonation on your part. Oh. What does it sound like when Steve Ballmer yeah. says your name? Uh, it's really loud. Probably would break the microphone if Absolutely. you did it. Yeah. Okay. Coming soon, Steve Ballmer ringtones brought to you by... <laughs> uh, Dean Hakamovich is formerly Microsoft, now out in the world... Uh, exploring technology on his own terms. <laughs> so it's good to have Dean back. We've got a lot to talk about. So there was this feature that was added to Microsoft Word. I think Word 97. Is it 97? I remember, I mean, Word was a, I mean, I think this overlaps with your time there. In my view, it was a work of art at one point. It, it there was, I forgot which incremental version it was. And all of a sudden my computer felt faster. You probably know which it was. It, and it just felt like I could scroll to the bottom of a document real fast all of a sudden. And I was, I was like, whoa, this is cool. I didn't have to go to my same, you know, because I, I loved opening my whatever it was, 386 back then and putting new chips here and there. And then Intel lost its mind and it was a big bar you sort of plugged in and it wasn't, it was just this whole. This is when you say get off my lawn, just letting you know. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I'm thinking to myself, okay, this thing is awesome. And then the. See, Word had good years and bad years. You had a good year with Word. I mean, I've pretty much been with Word. Yeah. You know, forever. And then. It's one of the longest term relationships of your life, right? It's. Probably one of the long. We still I've, talk. I've been with Microsoft <laughs> Word for twenty four years, probably at this point. Yeah, I mean, it was. I was a Word Star guy before Word. I just skipped Word Perfect all because Word Perfect tried to go gooey and they just lost their minds. That it was just, bad. It took two and a half hours to install the thing. It was just like, all right, this isn't going to work. Five two was the last great Word Perfect. Yeah, then it, it kind of went down the hill. Yeah, so I'm always excited for the new version of Word, even though I don't need anything anymore. I just still was excited about the new version. And this little paper clip shows up and says something along the lines of, it looks like you're trying to write a letter to your mother. Just a letter. It didn't know mother. It didn't know mother? Yeah, just okay. a letter. It that was, was your version. Like it was just yeah. your version that we, we targeted with. He <laughs> sent me the mother version of Word. He saw some issues there. And I was like, well, this is interesting. First off, it was animation, which in and of itself I'm in the word processor. Usually life is not that exciting. No, you, I mean, most people most people don't really want that many animated characters in their word processor. No, but it was still novel and weird to me. And, and it was trapped in a window. And it was, it was, had it, he couldn't really walk around the screen. There was no. that. So, but I was like, oh, I'm good right now, dude. I'll talk to you in a bit. So he, I would send him off. Close box. Close box. Was it close box? And then... Fifteen minutes later, he comes back. He said, are you, are you trying to print, dude? <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, whoa. You ever go to a cocktail party and, and then, you sort of position yourself so to not be noticed by the, uh, that guy or that girl so they don't come and talk to you again? For me, it was just like, wow, I have a roommate. 
<laughs> I thought I was like I thought I was and that's, it was a personal computer. It was just me and this computer. Yeah. And then there was a, somebody else was living in there. So we're being cryptic here because this is fun and nostalgic, but it, the the feature was called Clippy or the character I guess was called Clippy and they took a paper clip and they used the bottom loop and turned it into a smile and they put two eyes on it. And it would hop around and do its thing. And they had different characters as well. There was Einstein, if I recall correctly. There was a puppy and a wizard. But so yeah. it was so did you it was get, it yeah. was the assistant. The office assistant? The office assistant. Okay. Yeah. And it may have resembled Einstein from some people's point of view. I think the estate might have had some issues. I oh. think it was actually called genius. You never uh, say the word Einstein. Uh, um I also usually refer to sticky notes. As compared to the copyrighted name, there are all sorts of you know. Uh, okay. There's some you know residual scar tissue Got from from it. certain Got lawyers. It. So yeah. did did you give birth to it? Did it come to life while you were handling Word? So I was working on uh, Word ninety seven, and the folks working on the core office team on all sorts of user interface parts were working on the assistant. Okay. Or the friendly character TFC, which was the code. In the actual code in the uh, product, it was referred to as TFC. So okay. you know, TFC curve for the current one and, you know. I okay. can see TFC that standing for that. other things too. Yeah. There are all sorts of things some people might speculate that TFC would stand for. Now, it came out of the office team and so it showed up in Word and Excel and PowerPoint and, and everywhere else. And the intentions were so good. And if only there was some way I could not sound defensive in describing this. If only there was some way I could yeah. not sound like I was trying to make my brother-in-law look smarter than he is. Could I? Yes. <laughs> could I describe how I see it? Go for it. A, so, what I see is that Microsoft Word and Office in general was very, very complex at that point. Probably one of the most complex pieces of consumer software that ever existed. And getting more complex quickly. Right. And there's been there's always a strain. We're just talking about AI. There's always been a strain of thinking in software where people go, interfaces need to become more conversational and more friendly. And we're actually seeing it now. There's a huge resurgence in bots and conversational interfaces um, driven by things like Slack that's happening in the world today. So I'm assuming, like the way that I interpret Clippy historically, not, not as a user, but as someone who's interested in software, is that Word had gotten and, and Office had gotten so hard to use or so big, not hard to use, but just big. There was I think so, that's many, the so word. much stuff going on. And we were worried, as the software industry was worried, that regular users couldn't make sense of this world. So, so, so a great example of this is when we would look at feature requests. So people would write physical letters or send email or call up, right? The fraction of requests for features that were already in the product, when those started to dominate, we thought, aha, we might have a discoverability problem. Okay. And so there's a question of, okay, so what do you do? Do you rearrange the menus? Okay, we had toolbars. Do we do something beyond toolbars? Are there floating pallets? There are all these interesting ways of trying to present the space of commands. And see, what's interesting is that the, I think the modern conventional wisdom is like, why didn't you simplify? But you actually are getting these feature requests like your right and and even even the point of simplification you know your crucial feature is my bloat right and yeah. so there's this other interesting thing playing out called i i just need a word processor for simple documents i don't need something with all that fancy lawyerly stuff that does table of authorities and blah 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 well until you get a document from your lawyer and you want to open it 
and then you do want that. Yeah. Or I just need a simple one and then, okay, but your kid is writing a paper with footnotes. Right. Uh, so you lose interchange if you simplify. Right. And so if you start uh, forking and fragmenting, mm -hmm. things get weird. So we're like, okay, we're not going to go down that path. Just a quick question. Did they ever think about like word for attorneys? Um, you know, that's, that's like an amazing April Fool's episode waiting to happen. Like what would you put into word for attorneys? <laughs> so I, was, I saw a paralegal once use word and it was a whole other universe. She was incredibly versed in it, in these whole suite of tools that were just very specific Absolutely. to legal. It was, it was just right. stuff as, I'd as, never seen As before. compared to the suite of tools for people who are doing form design right. and building applications on top of Word and right. Excel. Right, right, right. All right, so, so just to try to accelerate through this, so there's this notion of, well, you know, we have all this help material. What's wrong with help? And there was a really cool breakthrough using some early statistical work and language understanding work, and it was called Answer Wizard. And the point was, how can you get, like, if people are willing to type in a question in English, like, how do I blank, we could get a better answer back. And there is a challenge around Office 95 around how do you get people to type more in? And the, the fun example of this was watching this user trying to figure out why the paragraph marks, those backward Ps, mm -hmm. were all over the screen. So the user had accidentally hit some button and view, like formatting view hidden characters, yeah. view formatting or, or all of the screen. And this user typed into the help box, how do I get rid of the elephants? Sure. Because that's that not. paragraph mark lift looked like an elephant. <laughs> yeah, a this person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's amazing. And, and we're sitting there like, okay, we really need to rethink how we approach this. And so there was all this really cool work done with how do people talk about what they see on the screen? And so they actually had technology where if you would write in, how do I get rid of the elephants? Or how do I do, how do I print sideways? Okay. These great examples where it actually worked. Because nobody would know portrait or landscape. Right. Know what do these words mean? Yeah, like yeah. me want print sideways. Yeah. And it would come back with like, do you want a whole page to be sideways or just this part of a table to be sideways? And so there was all this great technology. The challenge was how do you get people to type that in? And in Office 95, there was an answer wizard toolbar okay. that was gray and rectangular and did its best to encourage people to type into it. Well, that didn't really go very far. And so there is this whole bunch of interesting research uh, out of Stanford. I think the researchers were called uh, Nass and Reeves around social interface. And, you know, a couple of smart people ran with it and we got the office assistant. And I think the default was Clippy, but there was also Rover, the yellow dog, the and dog Genius. Yeah, yeah. In Japan, there was Office Lady, who would bow a lot. Um, <laughs> and all sorts of interesting characters from oh, all over the world. Merlin, I think there was a very wizard-like creature. Yep, there was a wizard. You know, one thing too, for listeners to this podcast may not realize what a big deal help was in Pre-internet days. Pre-internet. You couldn't Google. There was nothing. So it was the manuals and you just, you, the apps had gotten so big that you actually couldn't publish all the help that was being generated. I can still remember, you know, .chm files. Like there was a whole ecosystem, a whole world around creating. Right. It was even pre-chm files. So .hlp files back in the day. Okay. So this is like, there were tools to create these tools. They were kind of proto-hypertext-y. Proto right. Pre-html. Right. Yeah. So I, I want rich this. text with with a link that I can click that will jump and a back button, but it wasn't a web page. But there, I mean, 
millions of hours were spent reading Microsoft help files over the many years. And it was a real format unto itself. So right. there was this huge base of experience and expectations that you were coming into. And you were trying to help and save people from time exploring and searching through those documents. And I should be clear that when you say you here, you don't mean Dean. No, you mean Microsoft, Microsoft Collective. Because yes. there were some very you know, amazing people who decided to go with Clippy and, and, See, and, and work this out. Now I'm feeling bad because you know, it's fun to make fun of Clippy, right? And you'd think, oh, what's the big deal? Some people decided to throw an animated paperclip. But this is a massive amount of research and work went into this thing. But this is always, we're talking about this earlier, right? Like you're always in a position where you, when you do this work, feedback never comes in gently. Yeah. And it always starts with good intentions. Yeah. You know, there's a, I think it was, I'm, I'm, I may be misquoting, but I think it was Don Norman, the great UI person, great UI person yeah. who said, you know, nobody thought that, you know, at the yellow light, humans would speed up. <laughs> it's supposed to slow you, you know, hey, sure. Yeah. Settle in, right. slow down, and everybody speeds up. So I think you just don't know what you're going to get. I mean, and this is what I'm really curious about. So all this beautiful work happens. Clippy goes out, and what happens? Like what? Well, it, it's like a whole lot of other um, pieces of technology. You know, humans interact with it and then make their their own set of decisions. Yep. You know, there, there's another great example. So um, in browsers. There is uh, in private mode or private or incognito. There are a variety of names for this. Yeah. And when you know we first came out with this, the press person who broke the news called it porn mode, <sighs> which is <laughs> which is essentially pre-positioning, and it's it, I guess it is a use case. This is the village voice reviewing a browser, yeah. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, but, you know, so I'm, I'm just saying whatever the functionality is, right? Right. there are different ways of, of hey, is this empowerment and good or is this, yeah. you know, an attempt to get back at us? Uh, DRM is another great one, right? There, DRM is... Digital a, rights management. Right. It is, is an amazingly politicized... In, uh, crypto now. You could yeah. argue crypto is fantastic. Um, the entire privacy back and forth. And I'll, you know, I'll, I'll give you the, you know, the, the cheat sheet on privacy. You know, if you include features that help protect privacy, then you're accused of enabling very creepy, unpleasant people to hide from law enforcement. Sure. And if you remove them and make finding people easier, then you're rapidly accused of making vulnerable groups even more vulnerable whether it's political dissidents in foreign countries that end up using U.S. technology or, you know, families that are fleeing from an abusive other family member. And, and it's just one of these, okay, there actually is no win situation here. There is just a piece of technology and how different people are going to try to use it. So do you, if you're working on IE and you're getting that feedback, are you taking that case by case? Is there some moral framework that you fall back on? What do you do? So... Fundamentally, I think you have to have a set of principles. The only way anything ever scales is if you have principles. Of course, you get to have exceptions and guidelines and, sure. you know, apply thought sure. uh, to these principles. So we can amend the Constitution. Uh, ideally. Yeah. We, we can hope on that one. So, you know, off the cuff, when I looked at incoming issues, you know, first and foremost, there was 
respect the laws of the lands in which Microsoft does business. And so when a government or a legal issue came in that had a certain level of urgency at the top, you could argue in the airway breathing circulation scheme sure. that was, okay, we want to respect laws. Sure. Like that's very important to us. Right behind that, is this a threat to customers and partners? Like, is there an active security exploit? Does this put their data at risk, right? And then you, you slowly work down all the other color codings so that you can be rational in allocating the scarce human engineering time towards any of these incoming issues. And so you just kept that framework up and it helped you stay sane. One thing that was interesting is, you know, a, a long time ago, you know, IE was relatively unique in terms of how many people are using it, how are they using it. It's kind of wild now how commonplace that is. I'm sure there are a lot of people like, oh, yeah, 100 million people. Sure, you know, how many people go to Google.com? Right? How no, many people no, I mean, that, that was an unprecedented number at the time. Right. Of anything. Yeah. Right. Well, that's the thing. I mean, Windows was so big and so global. Well, it was unique in its reach for a window of time. Right. And what we get to get used to now is how many things we rely on that deeply. And one thing that I find from, a, from somebody who works in technology and still enjoys technology is how much we lose track of the underlying layers. So uh, I flew out from Seattle yesterday. Uh, we had a power outage because of high winds. And I'm going, wow, it's 2016. Right. And... I lost electricity? Really? Because of wind. Because wind. of a zephyr. Right. Yeah. Like we, we should be on top of this one. And you suddenly realize – or you look at what happened in Detroit with water. And, you know, it's, it's one of these, wow, it's amazing. I can be on an airplane, using Wi-Fi, transacting. This is wonderful. But it's very inconsistently distributed. Sure. And that's, you know, that, that's, that's a recurring thing. It's very easy to lose sight of now how many people use Uber at any moment in time or um, how many people rely. You know, we were talking about uh, U.S. digital services and a lot of the great stuff coming out of the White House, like how essential that is for emergency responders. Right. And you're, you're alluding to there's a great William Gibson quote, which is that the future is here. It's just unevenly distributed. Absolutely. Right. So we're living with that. That's good, and that's valuable, and it's very high-minded. But I just want to compliment happened? everyone here yeah. for smoothly weaving Clippy into some far-reaching, almost yeah, we're not PR-ish conversation. We need to find here. out how how it ended for Clippy. It's just it was Clippy fluid. had had multiple deaths. <laughs> so, stage one was in Office two thousand. Office two thousand, two changes happened. One, Clippy got out of the box. So we got rid of the, the, the containing box with a title bar and a closed box. And so he was free. And he had all sorts of interesting transparency. So he could live more natively on top of your spreadsheet. Or, or could you drag control. him around? I think you yes. could move him around. Yes. In fact, I think the most popular command was when you could right-click and choose animate. And just when you were on hold on a phone call, you could just sit there and animate and watch him cycle through all the different They had all these dances different animations. Yeah, I remember. There's very important. Like there's one where paper was coming out of his head or something. <laughs> so he lost the containing box and he was turned off by default. Mm. Then I think uh, I left the office team after that release to go do something else. Over subsequent versions, uh, I think he may have come back from the dead. And then there was an ad campaign where they were putting Clippy out of a job. And they, they just kept milking Clippy. Clippy was a very polarizing historical figure. 
So what actually happened when under your watch mm. was that Clippy went from default and on to opt-in. and Off by default. Off by default. Okay. Which so, is probably the end of Clippy. There were some people who really liked Clippy and Just wrote a letters. Just rainy day, kind of lonely. Well, Paul didn't want a roommate, but clearly some people... <laughs> Did a, a significant percentage of users, do you think, actually use Clippy for Clippy's intended purpose to learn and explore Microsoft Office and become more empowered users? It turns out that the users who did engage with Clippy ended up having a better experience because it turns out that to, just to, to have fun and do the generic, it's a three-tier architecture. Look, the important stuff was under the hood, there was a much better set of explanatory text if you were trying to show the elephants or hide the elephants mm -hmm. to go back to the paragraph marks or print sideways or whatever it was you were trying to do. So there was better text there. How could we get you to actually ask a question using more words in English so we could understand what you're trying to do. Okay, well, then, you know, then the, the tip of that iceberg was there's an animated paperclip with big eyes and, you know, pumping his eyebrows. You know, perhaps not the greatest moment in technology history. Where we got from there, if you think about it, as you said, when you look at Slackbot, if you set the pixels aside, this notion of type what you want or you could argue a marginally more enlightened command line interface. Look, back in the day, it was, you know, you need to learn how to type exactly the sequence of characters for things to work. Sure. And then you could say, okay, we got more forgiving in what you could type. And then, okay, we tried to dress up where you were typing to encourage you to be a little more liberal in what you would type. Got it. So I'm, I'm trying to tell you to think about Clippy as a proto-AI entity. No, Clearly. I mean, I, it's a bot. I am, it's effect. a bot. And it's, it's also, we're coming out of a world where in very recent memory at that point, your interface guide was a keyboard overlay. Like you'd actually put a piece of plastic on your keyboard and it would tell you which commands you could use to do things. You know, that was, WordPerfect was famous for that. Shift F7, 6, print yeah, preview. Exactly. Oh, there's uh, some of them, Alt F3 is still in my brain for, I think, reveal codes on WordPerfect. And like, that was really only about three years away, you know, four years away for most people by the time you're, you're animating this little right, guy. So, so there's this interesting compression of history. Like, there, you know, people are coming from very different points of view. Let's make this modern for a moment. There are a whole bunch of people who have really never used a mail client, an email client, on anything other than a mobile device. Sure. Right? On an iPad or an Android tablet or on their phone, there's a mail client. There's a mail program. But on their Mac or PC, they just use the browser. Sure. And so, you know, generationally, there are a whole bunch of people who have no idea that it could work any other way. That whole category of application is gone. Just skip. Well, there are a lot of people who still live by Outlook. Sure. Right? But I'm just saying there are a whole bunch of people who just skip that. Gmail has a billion users now. I mean, there's a for tens of millions of people, there's no email application on their computer right. that they care about or know about. Right. I mean, there's a there's a wave now that doesn't even know what a desktop is. I mean, they, their email and their messaging is all happening mobile or tablet, probably right. mobile, and that's that. Uh, there's no dock. There's no tray. There's no downloading of apps. I mean, there's apps on it, but there's no, like, notion of 
file systems. A file system is alien to a 13-year-old. Well, today. an app is also now a, like a pop culture artifact that costs a buck. Right. That's a yeah. huge change from $179 in a box in 15 years. We've gone from... Well, you know, sometimes 350 but the competitive upgrade is only 99 Right. And, you know, distribution is still a shrink-wrapped piece of cardboard. And now if you can get a $1.79, you're killing it. Well, and, you know, the question is dollar, <laughs> $1.79 up front, or is it free and you have some in-app purchases... Or the app is free, but there's a subscription like Netflix. Netflix sure. app is free. Yeah, but there's still. I mean, I, I have. I, I think it's just three ninety nine. Is this uh, tiny scan app that will take a picture? You take a picture of a piece of paper. It does a good job flattening it yep. into two tone or whatever, and then it'll turn it into a PDF, and then send it off to ten different storage services or email it and attach the PDF and all. That. Real work. Somebody worked. Pretty hard on this for a number of months, three ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, and I have no idea how many how many people will buy it. Look, this this goes. You know, Paul, you were talking to me earlier about this whole commodification, right? Like you used to be able to differentiate by writing really good print drivers. No, nope, everyone just expects printing to just work. It's free. That's not a way to differentiate, right? Or typing, having a really good place to type, used to be you know a great way to differentiate your product. Yeah, you know, typing is pretty commodified. So I have what? a closing question. Okay. No, but go, Paul. No, it's, it's, I, no this I is your too. show, dude. This is your we're show, too. No. We're co-founders. No, please. What's your closing question? Well, let's, I don't, I don't, you have a question, so let me not make it. There's a pre-closing question because Paul gets to close the show, everyone. No, no, Paul, that's not. No. Capital no, no, no. F. No, 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 no. I can leave the room. No. <laughs> My stay, God. Stay with us. Uh, so you have, obviously, a unique perspective. Um, you got to sort of be in the middle of the hurricane in some of the most important years. What's exciting today? What do you get excited about today? You can say nothing too. Arrogantly just say, no, this is all bullshit. No, this is like, it's so much more exciting now than it was before on so many different levels. Again, you just view this as compound interest on technology, right? You look at uh, the new mobile devices and what they're capable of. Mm -hmm. Uh, You look at the sensors that are coming online. Um, Look, every time I go and I log into Amazon Web Services, it's just like, wow. AWS is, is amazing. Yeah. Right. It, and it's just, you know, and, and people have, have bludgeoned, you know, the following truth so many times at the beginning of their talks at Google I.O. Or, or anywhere else. It's the back in the old days, yeah. you would have to call up Dell and buy a lot of computers and find electricity and cooling and <laughs> hope that you hadn't bought too many or too few. Right. And now, basically, like, Computation is vast and free, and you can rent it by the minute. Yep, which is amazing. Storage has effectively gone to more stable. If you live in the Pacific Northwest, it turns (laughs) out. Um, So you know, cost of storage has you know depleted fantastically. Uh, You know, there's I can't remember if it was the Onion. You know, there's this headline around you know computer science to be renamed Googling Stack Exchange, (laughs) right? Uh, And so like a lot of this information. If you go back and read some of the original, you know, amazing books like Soul of a New Machine by Tracy Kidder, that whole notion of the high priesthood that protected computers from the rest of us, or, you know, the famous 1984 Apple ad, right? Like that whole holy priesthood that was keeping people away, like that's all disappeared yeah, because of what we've gotten to on the web. So I'm – I kind of – 
you know, I'm giddy at the stuff that can be written, you know, for fun, just to, just to understand what are modern technologies and how does programming work now? You know, a couple of my kids are classics students, so they study Latin and Greek. And for fun, I, you know, wrote them a website where they could type in something in Latin and it would do all the appropriate lookups and bring them back something useful. And it was fascinating to me that I could build this at zero cost using just what came for free with my Mac and, a, you know, a whole bunch of web searches and the APIs are out there. And, you know, some group has this interesting API, RPC, blah, 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 on top of this corpus. And, and I could just build that and it was useful for them. And it worked on, you know, one kid's Android phone and the other kid's iPhone. And it worked on my desktop and dad of the month right there. And it's the, the, the thing is that it is, it's just nuts to think it's it not is exciting. That those building blocks are just out there. Yeah, and, 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 they're, and they're just out there. Yeah, and it's really cool. You know, we talk about uh, the exciting apps. Like we are at the stage where we just get to apply software learning towards making other things better. Yeah. Now, I want to be clear. It's not infinitely better in all directions at all times. You got to talk about Uber. Right. You've got to talk about Airbnb. Like the, the general problem in economics is there is this amazingly expensive capital good. How do I get more value from it over time? Well, my car can sit in a parking lot or I can drive it around and earn money taking people. Wow, that's unbelievably liberating. Now, is that a software problem? No, nah, but software is a heck of a good tool. Yeah. Anyhow, so it's, it, it really is beyond exciting. And, and you know, my kids – at this point, just know how to roll their eyes with one of these, <laughs> okay, you're going to tell me how it used to be. Right. Really? No, really. Well, it sort of establishes an appreciation, I think. I think it's, it's the ability to ship, right? I mean, it's, you can piece something together, put it out, let the world tinker with it without the distribution chain the distribution chain and, and you know, you, needed. A, you know, for the sake of the pessimists, like, you know, there's a lot of other stuff that's come with, with all of this good. I mean, we still have spam problems or junk mail problems. We have identity theft. We have, you know, amazing security issues, amazing security issues, amazing privacy issues. So let's close it out with a little bit of pessimism. <laughs> you built a web browser. I was responsible for keeping a whole bunch of really smart people who built a great web browser happy and defended from internal randomization. He was on email and PowerPoint mostly. Excellent diplomatic clarification. <laughs> we built a lot of websites and apps and steadily as we talk to people, we're asked you know, is there a future mm -hmm. for the web? We've got not just that maybe mobile will take over. I don't think it's just that, but also that the web is increasingly locked into a handful of platforms. Uh, Facebook, is, is something that now people experience as the internet. Mm -hmm. Many people don't know that there's a web beyond Facebook, as far as, as far as I can tell. You know, things like Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever, these very, very large uh, networks that are really starting to lock people in. Yeah, Dave Weiner calls them silos. He writes right. very eloquently around, beware these silos. We've seen this before. We have, right? But so where does this go? Are we going to, is this, a, maybe it's cyclical? Is it... Is there an end game for the web where there's only a few silos? What happens? Uh, I'm going to make some popcorn yeah. and, 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 and watch the show. And look, we again, back when giants walked the earth, it was fun to complain about AOL. 
There are all these people trapped in AOL. They don't know what else there is. And for a while, that was Yahoo, right? There was a window of time when Yahoo was another great walled garden. I think that we have no idea where we're going in terms of, you know, what is a web and, you know, what is the apps? And to, to, to geek out for a moment, what you really want to do is write a service that runs happily in the cloud. And what happens then is people are going to interact with that on a variety of devices. They can interact with it on their phone, on their pad, in a browser, from their Raspberry Pi, from their Amazon Echo by saying, Alexa, go do something. You've seen these Amazon buttons, sure. right? That you, just, you hit the button and detergent comes to your door. And like, that's just a great example of there's a web service doing the right thing. So I don't really see an end game or, or demise of the web. I, I see a whole lot of evolution. Yeah. You know what I feel like? I feel like uh, the web where there used to be a lot of residential and commercial will become more of an industrial zone where it's really the piping to a lot of this stuff, but the consumption and the windows are going to be these other places because Facebook is just such a... Right, or you can graphic. think about it as fixtures. Yeah. There, there are fixtures atop of really, like, yeah. the plumbing's going to get a lot better, and yeah. the fixtures are going to get different. Right, exactly, exactly. And the gravitational pull of a Facebook is what it is. It's just our reality today. But if you really, if you've got that idea that's itching you and you want to do something interesting and disruptive, the tools are still out there. And, you know, you can't knock on Facebook's door and say, I got a great idea and I've got a tool belt on, do you mind if I come in and just build this in your world? No, it doesn't work like it. So, you know, the builders and the people who want to mess around still go to the web. So it may not be the web consumer browser web, but the piping and the infrastructure and all the pieces are still out there for anyone to play with. I'm hopeful. <laughs> I, th um, I think there, there's still a ton of upside. I, I think so too. I, I don't know how this ends. I don't know if it does end. <laughs> Trying to be optimistic. Well, I don't think it does end. And hopefully we get to bring Dean back on in the future yeah. and ask you about how it all turns out. Yeah. And um, has been uh, it's been great to have you in here. Thank you. Come back and visit us. Really again. enjoyed it. Thanks, Dean. Will do. Postlight has a newsletter. You can subscribe. Just go to postlight.com and you'll see the subscribe link right there. Every day we send out something interesting and engaging to people who work in, around, or with technology. Lots of links, lots of fun stuff. It's very nerdy, but sometimes it's not. And you can go straight to trackchanges.postlight.com and see all the newsletters that have ever been. Thank you, everybody, for listening. It was great to have Dina Kamovich here in the studio for Track Changes from Postlight. If you like this show, it makes a huge difference if you go to iTunes and say so. So give us a good rating and feel free to send email to contact at postlight.com if you have any questions at all. We'll see you next week.